This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Ahoy, and welcome back to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia, and I am joined today by Luis. I'm really going to try this. Ferreiro. Um, That's yeah, fantastic. Ooh, yay. Uh, hopefully, hopefully I did a pretty good job. Luis, how are you doing? Thank you so very much, Alexia. It's a pleasure to be here with uh, with you and be able to speak about Titanic and everything is we're doing, we're doing fine. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the conversation. You're in Spain right now, right? And you said it's unusually warm. It's unusually cold in all of the United States right now. <laughs> I've uh, I've seen the news, and uh, yeah, I just hope that it, it goes as fast as possible. But uh, yeah, it, it looked really very cold. It is, and in, in the state that I'm in now, Texas, they for some reason continue to want to have their own private power grid, which is going very well for them historically. Well, so okay. things are things are going great, but. Uh, hopefully they'll figure that out one day. But anyway, while uh, just immediately want to start right in, my first question to everyone is always, what is your Titanic story? <laughs> well, actually, uh, it's a long one, actually. And of course, because of my tell. job now, it's a very, it's a very um, yeah, personal one. Uh, I remember when I was, you know, very, being very little, um, always watching these National Geographic uh, reports about Titanic and documentaries about, um, first of all, the story of Titanic and then when Titanic was found. So it was always something that was there. And of course, my right. father was a radio journalist and uh, he had oh, cool. a radio show specifically about the uh, fishermen in Spain and their, their problems and their you know issues and, and he was always trying to help. So every April 14th, 15th he had like a, he had like a special program about Titanic and he interviewed a few survivors and historians and experts. So you know every year there was something new coming um, to my house about Titanic. Uh, and, and then of course, uh, and that's a little bit how probably it, it became because of this uh, radio show he had been doing for 25 years and mm -hmm. he saw a few of the Titanic exhibitions all over the world and then he, he felt he could do it or, or, or you know, in a different way, uh, maybe with a more European touch or, or um, something that was a little bit different to uh, what was being done then in the mid, late 90s. Um, sure. About Titanic in terms of exhibitions. So mm -hmm. that's how our company started. Uh, with a very, very small Titanic um, photographic exhibition. And it, that was in the year 2000. And it has been growing and growing and growing in the past 22, now almost 23 years uh, until what it is uh, nowadays. So um, so in a like way, Titanic has... Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, but I feel like we've kind of buried the lead on what you do. Uh, just really quickly for anyone who's listening... What do you do? Just to give some context to. to yes, this. absolutely. Sorry, sorry, my fault. Uh, I, I, no, 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 I didn't say anything I'm, either. <laughs> no, no, I, I am basically the, well, I am the director of Musealia. We are a Spanish company firm creating touring exhibitions that are hosted in museums, uh, cultural venues, and, uh, uh, and non-traditional venues all over the world. So basically we started with Titanic was, and that's, you know, what is always um, so special for us. It was mm -hmm. our first exhibition, our our project that really uh, started the company and uh, we have been doing especially Titanic exhibitions, but also uh, now different, uh, different exhibitions that go beyond Titanic. But mm -hmm. as I said before, somehow Titanic has always been very constant and very present in particularly in my life, of course, um, because of this connection with, um, with my father and then with, the, with Musealia, with our company. And now you have the exhibition. It's currently in in New York, right? When it, it's in New York through, I can't do math. April. Yes, more or less. It should be probably uh, a bit later. We don't have a, a closing date as of today, oh. uh, so that's why I urge everybody that is listening to us who have the chance to go and visit as soon as possible, just in case, whenever they want to to go. Um, uh, maybe they find out that the exhibit is, is, is closed and we have moved to a different city. Um, but we, of course, and, and in a way, talking about the story of um, of the company and 
my particular story, somehow it also it feels a little bit like closing a circle by having mm -hmm. the exhibit in, in New York, you know, after yeah. starting 22 years ago and fun enough coming the exhibition from London with a small stop in, in, in Sweden, uh, somehow it felt like it was very appropriate to um, to bring the exhibit to New York and in a way it, it closes a, a chapter um, in terms of how we have managed Titanic in an exhibition um, for us. So it was it's pretty emotional uh, mm -hmm. to say the least for us to bring this collection of artifacts to New York and and to just have the exhibit there. Yeah. It it is very circular in in the way that you describe because you know as everyone knows that's where it was intended to arrive. And instead what pulled up was, you know, Carpathia, you know, informally dubbed the Ship of Widows. Very mm. sorrowful thing. And there's a sort of closure that comes with being able yeah. to place something where it was quote unquote supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. And especially because in, in the case of our exhibitions, these artifacts mm -hmm. are so personal. So we, you know, we, we always try as much as possible to uh to bring artifacts that had a personal story behind um so that we could that we knew who they belonged to or that basically whether it was a passenger a survivor a victim or the or a crew member mm -hmm. so um so in a way uh these artifacts the the, the ring the shoes the, those letters from william murdoch um you know it, it becomes so special to suddenly see them and i you know we have seen them in, in the case of those who work in the company we have seen them so often and and so on an everyday basis but of course in different cities in uh but never in new york so suddenly to you know to be placing these artifacts and uh and just have these thoughts of well these artifacts should have been here uh 100 more than 100 years ago so it kind of felt also uh, very special. And I know for some of our loan givers, uh, relatives of, of the victims, uh, it also felt uh, very special because for most of these artifacts, I would say for 95% of the artifacts, it is the first time that they are displayed in New York. So, um, you know, for, for many, for us, but also for uh, the relatives of those who uh, loaned us these artifacts, it becomes a very special stay in our tour. Yeah. And for, especially for people who are not just the general people who come to the exhibit, there is a sort of poignancy to it. Even if you're not familiar intricately with the story of Titanic, once you become familiar with the story of Titanic, you're able to put that full circle together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yes, as you say, also for the visitor, it becomes a, a different experience to see this exhibition uh, in New York and elsewhere. Um, yeah. So, so uh, in for many, many reasons, of course. And this is something that we have been trying to achieve for years, um, yeah, to bring the exhibit to New York. And it was always, it, it is, of course, a very difficult city in terms of, uh, it is a very large exhibit. It's 1,500 right. square meters. So, it's very wow. difficult to find the right place uh, with the, that amount of space for you know uh, a number of months together in a um, prime location. Exactly. So you know, <laughs> th 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 there were a few occasions where we you know, we felt it was really really close, and always there was something that just didn't work out, and uh, we always missed it. So uh, so we didn't actually believe it happening until we opened the doors and we saw the first visitors uh, coming in. I understand that it's I'm I'm one of I'm a I think just because I'm a ugh, I'm a pessimist by nature so I'm very much one of those like it's not real until it's real type type people so I get very stubborn about it like I didn't tell anyone I was starting this podcast really until it was ready to launch because it was like nope nope yeah. because if I say anything beforehand something insane is going to happen and it's never going to be real so I understand the, the notion of the tiny superstitions just because. I'm sure with anything, and especially when you're setting up something quite as large as you've described, any shift in the plan can entail a massive delay. And and to be completely honest, also, we faced this challenge in, in New York because um, 
you know, the, the collection of artifacts travels by, by air because of uh, being so sensitive and so delicate and they require special security and uh, temperature control conditions and so on. But the rest of the production, meaning showcases and projectors and lighting and recreations and, you know, everything that makes the, the, the exhibit aside from the artifacts go by ship. And, um, and this, you know, and it was very tough because it actually, the ship got delayed and delayed and delayed. And, um, you know, there was a point where we were, we were not even sure if it was going to arrive in time for the day that we had set and we we had to really the team had to make a huge effort in order to um to be able to to set up the exhibit in a in a record time and be open for november 11th so um as you say sometimes you have to wait until it's real to just uh to just be able to to share it with everybody um and that and that made also a little bit even more special finally when it when it happened that we could open and uh, and to be in New York, and it felt really emotional and and special. I was going to say that feeling of you know because sometimes when you're in the thick of preparing for something, you're just you have the blinders on because you know you you don't have time to quote unquote enjoy everything. You have to make sure that it's that it's right. This has to be taken care of, and oh my gosh, that's been delayed. And what do you mean, Susan's on the phone again? Can somebody deal with that? And what do you mean there's a delay? Somebody deal with this. Why is the phone ringing again? There's so much happening where it's like, you don't have time to actually think about what it is that you're doing, but then, you know, maybe not even the first day, maybe the second day or so when you see everyone coming in and the lights are staying on and the case didn't fall down and everyone yeah. is enjoying it. And it's like, we've, we really, it, it happened. It's real. It was, yes, it was such a relief uh, because we, the, and again, uh, you know, we have a fantastic team when it comes to production and operations, but they had to work into almost the, the last hour before the visitors were arriving uh, to be able to have everything uh, set. Uh, so it was it was a very complex um, uh, installation for the for the exhibition. We had this this logistic nightmare when it comes to uh, maritime shipping. Um, and uh, and then of course it is a complex venue. It's divided into different floors, so uh, you know uh, everything was 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 difficult. Um, but at the same time, as you were describing, when you you know and uh, when everybody is taking so much care into what they are doing and into the presentation of the exhibit, and then finally you 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 know they make it and um, and and you're open and. And people come, um, you you feel a relief, and you feel just simply the um, the you know proud of being able to have achieved um, the fact of bringing this collection, the the, the story, the exhibition to uh, to New York after in our particular case such a long journey of uh, of twenty two years since we really started with with this project. And, you know, unfortunately, by the time we reached 2022, every, you know, every single one of the first gener, you know, the, the original survivors from the ship have, have already passed away. And many of the second generation um, are, we are also losing them as well, just because it's, you know, been 110 years. That's sort of the nature of generational passing. But what did it mean for the ones who were able to make it to the exhibit? Because I'm, I'm also sure that not everyone is able to make it for whatever reason, but for the ones that were able to right. make it. You know, not just for the ones who, especially for the ones who have things in the exhibit for, but even for the ones who don't. What is it? What have well, they said? What's the feedback from them been like? What does it mean to them? It, uh, as I said, it, it's something special, and we we hope, just precisely because of what you were saying, not everybody could make it for uh for, for the opening for mid November, but uh, most of them expressed their wish to go to the exhibition in the next month so um those who were able to uh to be there it's um everybody was first of all excited when the news broke about the exhibition coming there and i had a few conversations with with some of them and i remember um you know uh, one of them especially saying like you know those those little boots were you know were supposed to um my mother was supposed to arrive in New York with, with those uh, with those little shoes and she never uh, you know well she made it of course but not on board Titanic and since since then in this case we're talking about a 
a survivor um and um and basically her daughter was just uh felt very emotional about just thinking of of those little artifacts being displayed for the first time in in new york after so many uh, so many years um so it's i i think there's this excitement and i think there's this emotion that somehow it is a historical event the the exhibit wherever it goes of course it's it's full of history but in this case it's not only the exhibition but it's the special connection with the with manhattan with new york and and with the story of titanic so uh i think those were the two most common reactions this excitement and then at the same time that emotion that is difficult to express with words but you know that is something you clearly see it, it comes from the heart and um and that is what i felt most of them were experiencing that's a that's such an amazing feeling to be able to to share with somebody in in that way i can imagine yes i mean um and especially also because you were saying uh, unfortunately there's no uh, uh survivors nowadays uh, and and generate the, you know the second generation is also becoming of, of a certain age it's difficult for them to 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 travel but they 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 feel a a very special link to to the story of course because of their um, relative and their family connection but also because they they feel uh, special when they see the young generations uh, families in the exhibit you know we have families from you know uh, senior people to very young people uh, i remember one of the first visitors is uh, was a boy he came with um, with uh, his family he was at five or six or you know seven maybe and he he was obsessed with titanic uh and uh you know uh he he knew all the you know uh basic stories and dates and facts and he was so excited to be able to to just walk through the first class corridor or compare a first class cabin with a third one or see the artifacts um and and you know it's 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 really something when you think of how the story of Titanic is being passed on from one generation to to the other. Uh, and I asked the, the family if you know if they had a special connection with with Titanic or with the sea or with the sun, and they said no, no, no. I mean, we not at all. Uh, he has just been, you know, always focused on Titanic since he was uh, four or five years, and it's uh, it's really amazing how Titanic is still able to connect with um so different generations in a way that it's so strong and so uh so emotional and so special so um yeah so one has also this this sense of uh of being able to tell the story in new york and also you know uh reach new young audiences that hopefully will continue to pass on the um uh, the interest on on titanic when um, I, I just moved from D.C. to Austin, Texas, and in the process of doing that, we drove through Pigeon Forge, which is where one of the museums is. And yes. I've been a few times and I really like it. But, you know, we're driving a moving truck. We have my my dog who was mad about driving. So yeah. I, I did manage to convince my mother to stop. But it was one of those like, you be quick <laughs> Be quick now. Um, and I only wanted to see um, the movie costumes exhibit. So I wasn't there to see the permanent exhibit. I did kind of have to rush through. However, in my rushing through and kind of, excuse me, pardoning me, a lot of the people that I was ducking around were very young. I noticed yeah. how many of them were children and families. And I did see two strollers almost collide in the first class corridor because of the mirrors. But, you know, there were just so many young young kids in there. And granted, I will say some of them were clearly not there uh, of their own volition. Some of them were not mm -hmm. happy, but a lot of them mm -hmm. were really interested. And even the ones that weren't fascinated with Titanic found something to, to touch or to, to poke at. And in this, in this particular exhibition, there's a little bit more like a kid friendly yes. um, interactive yes. element. So there's more stuff for them to be able to touch. Um, but they found stuff to entertain themselves with. But yeah, it's it just surprised me how many kids there were. And, you know, kids like to regurgitate facts. And so many of them were like, mom, mom, this, did you see this? This is the 
this is the thing. This is the thing I was telling you about. And it's like, they were the ones spurring the interest. It wasn't mom and dad. Mom and dad were, were following her lead. It was very cute. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and we work with uh, our colleagues from Branson and with uh, and from Vigion that we actually uh, display now in New York, one of their artifacts. And we will take some of our artifacts to Vigion, uh, I believe, uh, after we close in, in New York. Uh, and, and yes, it's, and one good thing also, because of course, you know, time flies. I don't know how old are you, Alex, and I'm not asking that, but most I've of I've been the, very public. I'm 33. <laughs> so, so you, I mean, you probably saw the exhibit, I exhibit, you probably saw the movie, James Cameron movie when you were, uh, I don't know if you saw it in the movies or if you saw it I later did. on. I did. In the so movies. I was eight when I saw it. In, okay. So, you know, one could think that of course you know your generation my generation probably the the movie triggered uh you know a, a huge mm-hmm. explosion of interest into the into the topic uh but of course when we speak about children who are now five six seven eight nine uh probably they have not seen the <clears throat> the movie uh, but it continues to you know, spark this, this interest. Um, so, uh, so, so it's really, and it's one of the questions people keep asking us when we do interviews, <clears throat> you know, where does the myth, uh, you know, why, where, where is Titanic? Where is the, how can you explain the myth of Titanic in, in the sense of this interest that it, it's beyond different generations and it's a worldwide phenomenon. And, um, and of course it's very difficult to explain. There's a few, cultural probably issues that we could that could help us to understand why Titanic is this huge platform that each generation has you know been interested in and, and in some cases using the story for their own particular um, goals or agendas um, but we always feel probably it's this kind of human connection you know in the end of course it's beyond the story of the ship it's the story of, uh, of all those who traveled uh, on board uh, those who died, those who survived, and it's this human connection uh, through the through the stories that uh, we all know, and uh, and there's always you know one story that um, surprises you, even you think you have read everything or or seen everything, but there's always this thing that is coming up. Um, and for me, the, the the myth and the legend is is exactly about that, about the human factor, um, and, and that is also in my case, helping explain why there is this interest in generation after generation in, in the story of Titanic. I think that's an important thing to acknowledge because when when you don't put names to people and they simply become quantities, it becomes mm. very easy to gloss over a tragedy or something happening. It's hard to understand when it's just... 200 victims, 340 victims to when, if you, if you don't break it down into its human element, which is why it is important to name, to name people. And I think that's also something that um, is really important in the other exhibit that I know you guys run, which is the Auschwitz exhibit, where it's important to give names and voices to the people that were victims of the atrocity, because otherwise there is not a whole lot to be learned from it. If you're not able to make that real connection to why it mattered. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, in the case, and of course, these are very different topics when it, when it comes to Titanic or when it comes to, to the Holocaust or, or the case of Auschwitz. But um, it is about, it is about the human uh, link through which we can really understand. And it's exactly what you were saying. We live in a world where numbers don't mean so much for us any longer. I mean, we unfortunately, we have been used to listening. X number of people have died in this, you know, tsunami or in this war or in this uh, terrorist attack or in this... Um, whatever. Uh, so, you know, numbers are starting to, to leave us cold. But if, of course, if you have to listen to, you know, each of the personal stories of those 
who become a victim in, in any historical event, you realize the human dimension that they have. And you realize that, of course, um, in the case of Titanic, the underlying principles of the story that we tell, you know, and it's an open question, you know, how much have, um, how, how different are we from, from, from them? You know, of course, society has changed and many things around are different, but in the end, uh, it is about people in most, in most cases who are, you know, just trying to make a better life and moving from one place to the other. And, and they all have their personal stories. There's stories of love. There's stories of, uh, um, of just uh, families uh, moving for economical reasons. Uh, you know, you just find the very nature of human being. And I think that is also uh, why in our case, as I said before, for us, it's not so much about displaying artifacts, um, but about telling the stories. We feel that these artifacts are, um, you know, pieces of history that have their own voice, their own, his- you know, historical voice there's echoes when you see these artifacts and we always usually display them together with the picture of the person who they belong to Which and and we tell the story and 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 we tell the story through the audio too. so it becomes this triangle where you have the artifact when you have the picture of the of that person you know to 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 really you know just visualize that person and you have the story um and, and then it when it becomes more powerful really to see those artifacts and to understand that they were not really very different uh, from from whom we are today. When I was in Vegas, I dragged a couple friends of mine to the Luxor to see that exhibit. And my favorite display case, I think I've talked about this before, was full mm-hmm. of personal pottery that mm-hmm. had been plumbed from the wreckage. So not White Star Line stuff, things that were in people's luggage. And I've, you know, it was a sad sort of favoritism where it was interesting to look at each of these pieces because they were unrelated and just think who's whose was that and one of the mugs that i saw in there looked so contemporary it was kind of like shaped a little bit like mine where it's like a traditional coffee mug but a little misshapen and it was painted with polka dots Mm -hmm. and i just remember thinking you could probably buy that in a target that's super trendy but today you know, is this person yeah. was wildly ahead of their time? Did somebody make fun of them for this mug where they're like, look at that ugly thing, Janet. Why yeah. do you carry that around? Or was yeah. everyone like, Janet knows what's up in the future? It's just, it gives you something to speculate <laughs> about. I spent way too long looking in that case. It's just like, who were all of you people? What did this yeah, absolutely. mean to you? Absolutely. And, uh, and that's why also I think somehow... Um, you know, when you see these artifacts and you can listen to the story, uh, it be- it becomes a way also, because otherwise, of course, if you see a lot of artifacts, uh, but you don't really uh, listen to the human touch or to the human, you know, there, there's, there's, there's something that is missing. And when one just is able to, I think there's a conversation that goes on between visitors and artifacts. And in order to really have a minimal, meaningful conversation, you actually need to have the context of, you know, who was that person and why was he or she traveling? And, um, you know, what's the story, uh, as you were saying? And in some cases, we can only speculate because, of course, right. you know, there's an artifact and, and, and unfortunately, we it is impossible to identify it with a, a particular um, Sure. Uh, but but in in those cases where you can actually do it and you start you know I don't know how you call it in English but basically pulling the the the, the string and then uh, you know pulling the thread. one thing Same pulling thing. the thread and then you, you so so you get to you know you get to oh you know why was that person traveling and you suddenly discover you know that they were traveling maybe with uh, false names and and why was that because they were. You know, in some cases, they were just uh, uh, Eddie Klim, for instance. He was he was basically broke, and he, he made a lot of money in the states. He went back to Europe. He unfortunately didn't have uh, the success that he was expecting, and in order to be able to just um, remain a little bit uh, anonymous, he he just um, went with a false name. You know, and and then you, it's the human nature, and Titanic somehow allows you also, and also 
it's very important to know these stories because mm-hmm. you you do realize that until one second before hitting the iceberg, you know that was uh, that was being and was supposed to be an important, wonderful journey for those people. And you cannot really understand the drama and the tragedy it meant if you don't realize that, you know, when you read these letters and you see, oh, you know, I'm, I, they were so excited because they were either traveling to the States or even just because of, even if they were third class passengers, but they were so excited about the quality of the rooms and uh, the service. You know, so it is very important also that in my particular way and or the way we do exhibitions that we can also learn you know the importance and the happiness of those just before you know uh, the days uh, of, of, until they they hit the iceberg and and that is when you really realize of course the the, the drama and the tragedy it meant uh, the uh, the sinking and the loss of, of all those lives it's that's also really important to remember too because for a lot of people this was for a lot of people it was a good you know oh yay journey to america and for some people it was i don't know maybe they weren't as excited about it but for everyone on this this ship it was a major life change that they were going through like yeah it wasn't like today when air travel commercial air travel is much more accessible i mean again even for people and if you if you save up you can most people can find a way to to travel it's it's not as big of a deal as it was to traverse the atlantic then it was if unless you were the uber rich this was life changing yeah. if you were the uber rich this was a tuesday but for everyone else this was you know, a real big deal they were going to america I, some absolutely whole, yeah and you know as you know some were, you know, just couples, but others were, you know, two, three, four generations of entire families and newlyweds and babies and the elderly. It was every spectrum of human being with their broad spectrum of problems. I'm sure there were people who were having what they will now think was the silliest fight beforehand. Like I'm betting you someone went to bed really mad about something as petty as I cannot believe he buttered his bread like that at the table. And that's how she went to bed. Yeah. Like because that was yeah. the biggest problem in this theoretical woman's life until that point. She was no yeah. one no one, most people don't wander around expecting life altering disaster. Absolutely, absolutely. And and of course then what happens is that I mean, as you were saying, first of all, we do have to understand that for most of these people, I mean the most were third class passengers they, right. those didn't even have they, they were not even tickets those were immigration contracts so for them of course it, it really meant a huge change and of course titanic or all the not titanic only but all these other ships mm-hmm. um you know we would have not been uh built without this mass of immigration that was going from in this case from europe to to the u.s world or, or to the rest of, of america uh, so Point number one, as you were saying, it was for most cases a life-changing um, trip because of what it meant, uh, and and then of course you have you know this situation where you are uh, thrown yourself into an, the most extreme situation that one can imagine, uh, and you have two hours, um, you know, almost two hours, and then of course you can just uh, see the full range of and scope of reactions and emotions and behaviors uh from the human being once you're exposed to that uh to that uh, situation so um but but again you know even before hitting the iceberg after hitting the iceberg it is the human uh you know the, the human link and human experience that i think makes of titanic really uh unique and so attractive for uh, uh, for for so many people. I mean, nowadays, if you ask uh, a name of a ship to anybody in the world, I, I would say for you know a very high percentage, the first name that is going to come up it's it's Titanic. Um, so uh, so yes, it's uh, it's really it's really a unique story that we are working with, and and I hope the visitors uh, in New York find that um, you know that it it means really a lot for us. Uh, on a on a human level uh, that we care about those stories and about those artifacts and and that we try to um you know 
be respectful and uh, and try to explain and to give space for the personal stories and the human experiences on board Titanic. This is it's going to sound like a weird question, but have have you ever encountered someone that had a negative experience at the museum? In terms of oh, like they you were, mean like they were unhappy about well, it or they found it offensive or Yeah, I mean I like to always be very, very honest, uh, and, and this is sure. not going to be an exception. So we have been 22 years telling this story in an exhibition that has been developing itself and that mm -hmm. will continue to develop. I mean, we have not found yet the, uh, you know, the, our last uh, word to how to say, how to tell this story. So we are always looking for new artifacts. We are always looking for new ways and, and to improve the narrative. Uh, so, you know, it, it would be it would be impossible. There's no museum sure. or exhibition that you know, with millions of visitors, somebody says, "Oh well, you know," uh, or even what we found. But it's I have to say also, in all honesty, that it's a very very small number of people sure, who sure. believe that um, you know that the story of Titanic should not be told through an exhibition that is commercialized mm -hmm. in a way. That was um, to, that was going to be my my follow up question was was because I know that there is a small faction of people who do think that it's mm -hmm. you know any exhibition or these any of these museums not just this one. The reason I was asking was because there is a small faction of people who do genuinely believe that any of these displays are, as you said, commercial grabs. Correct. So we don't. Uh, I mean, luckily enough, and of course, uh, yeah, and that's why we have been able to um, to have the exhibit on in one way or the other uh, for 24 years is because the vast immense majority of visitors enjoy the experience. But it is true, uh, and you know, we, we are aware, as you were saying, that there are people who, mm, who believe that the artifact should not be displayed, whether they come from the wreck or they don't, like it's, it's our case, uh, who believe also that it's a story that uh, should not be commercialized, uh, as you were saying, in an exhibition or a museum or musicals or books or, you know. Um, so, it, and, you know, I understand what they say. Uh, we do have a different point of view. But what I can tell them is that I, if they ever give a chance to the exhibit and they, you know, visit, um, I think they will, as I was saying before, they will realize that everybody involved in, in our exhibition, uh, and I believe you have spoken to Klaus Koron Wetterholm, our historian, you know, we are people who, you know, we are, we have, we share with even those who have that opinion, we share the love and the care about Titanic. And when we do an exhibition, as I have been saying all this interview, it is about the people and it's about, um, being able to connect with uh, new generations who are interested in Titanic and who want to know the story and who want to see artifacts and who want to be the, told the story in a way in an exhibition in, and in you know in a way that it's different to reading a book or seeing a movie. So you know we respect all points of view. We believe that um, that it is. Uh, as long as you you know you approach the topic with respect and as you, and you, and you do it with care, uh, and in our case, of course, most of the artifacts, or, or I would say I don't know in person touch, but an important person touch are directly loaned by the relatives. Mm -hmm. So you know they 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 know who we are, they know how much we care, and they've seen how we told the story, uh, and and any given moment they would they, they could say you know uh, I, I would not like to continue with this relationship and um, you know I would have I would like to have my artifact back so they always have that possibility but however they for 20 almost 20 years now some of them have decided to uh, to stay and I think uh, we keep actually as I said before we keep adding new artifacts and, and never reducing the the number of, of displays so, you know, I, I would say, let, let you know, the, the best thing is always to give a chance to go and see the exhibit and then make up your mind. I'm, I'm a fantastically tactile person, so I, I'm always in favor of things that respectfully are able to tell a story um, 
it helps me personally to visualize things. It helps me to see things in context. And, you know, I know some people are able to learn exclusively by reading or what have you, and I can learn the facts, but it's much more, for me, it's much more impactful to see the context. And I, and I enjoy that. And I, I feel like these exhibits are important to people, at least like me for that, excuse me, experience. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been able to see the one in New York yet, just because logistical reasons, but I do want to, because of, as you've said, the very human connection involved with everything that's, that's involved. And for me personally, that's also what makes it interesting is knowing, you know, whose was that? Where was it going? oh, you know, this person must really like shoes. They have 74 pairs, you know, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, you're able to, to parse a little bit about people by looking, looking at these tiny little factions of their, of their lives. And I was, when I was in Vegas, my friend and I were talking like, what would happen if in this moment in time, something happened to us and they just found like the contents of our bags? What would they think? Who would, what kind of people would they think we were? And we figured out that no one would have any idea who I was because I had way too much random stuff to my bag. But the point was, it was one of those things too, where you're like, am I getting the, then you start thinking, what, what am I missing about this person? You know, why they have so many shoes? Maybe it turns out they're a shoemaker, who knows? Things that, you know, you never think about until you're actually confronted with that. And it's interesting to try to bring those people to life on your own. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and also in the case of Titanic, there are so many options, right? I mean, you have books, you have movies, you have musicals, you have documentaries, you have different people doing different exhibitions with different approaches. Um, so, you know, th- th- there is, um, um, as I said before, I, I just hope those who, and I understand their point of view, but if they, uh, you know, if they ever uh, gave the chance to come and see our or any of the other exhibitions, um, probably they can better understand the uh, the goal and the reasons and the approach why some of us are doing these these exhibitions. And um, and in the end, in the end, in the end, is exactly what you were saying: trying to bring back a little bit of those stories of those uh, human issues um, for those who unfortunately were on board Titanic, whether they were uh, victims or, or survivors. I think I talked to it with another guest on my podcast, Bill Mudrin, and he was mentioning that it kind of brings the Hamilton question into effect, which is the um, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. And it's very, it's very much become about that in that we're at the part in the Titanic story where everyone who lived and obviously who passed on the Titanic is gone. And all that's left is the people left to tell the story. Yeah, absolutely. And and to tell the story and then we have the artifacts, which, Mm -hmm. you know, are, as I said before, they, they have their historical echoes and we display them in our case, in a, as much as possible in a, in a, very simple way, uh, very accessible if you if you want, uh, because we want these artifacts to speak by themselves, um, and 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 it's also fascinating to see the uh, reaction of visitors and to understand that some of them are really you know uh, amazed by the ring, others by the shoes, others by the letters. The documents are actually for for maybe the vast majority of visitors are. You know, our, our flat artifacts, and um, but it's actually fascinating because, of course, they give so much information about the people who wrote something. We have, you know, the, the uh, letters that w- William Murdoch wrote um, on board Titanic, or from, and, and and it's fascinating. Of course, in the case of the April 11th, he writes about the speed, he writes about the uh, the weather, he writes about the uh, the the. Uh, um, strike the the cold strike. I mean, mm-hmm. he it gives you such a good information, and we have a f- quite a few of of uh, of these letters from uh, crew members, from uh, especially passengers. And as I said before, of course, we have the only diary that was that we know of, at least that was written until the day of the sinking. Um, and and it's really amazing to to 
you know, to see clearly that there is this pattern, as I was saying before, of how important and how magnificent it was, the trip for them, uh, uh, until, of course, the moment of the, um, of the collision with the iceberg. So, um, and it's just documents. I am particularly fascinated by, by documents because, you know, you see somebody explaining something, you know, and, uh, and, uh, so, so many people spend a lot of time going through these letters. We have the translation in in, in most cases, um, and others just prefer maybe the big models or the recreations or the piece of gold that comes from the wreck. And um, you know, so uh, it's also very interesting to see how different people are, you know, touched by different artifacts. What's your favorite? I'm sure that it's hard to pick uh, one, but. It is because I have been so so much involved and and so many years and more importantly, of course, I know the story of the artifact. I know the artifact, but I know also the person who loaned it to us. So I always have, you know, like okay. the, the, the 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 face of of the you know of uh, Jordis also or Gunilla Hendrup or you know so many others or Joan Randall uh, who are giving us these mm-hmm. items from their relatives, their mother and. Uh, or their father or, or this and that and so so I also know you know that person nowadays who has such a direct link to the artifact and to the story of Titanic um, so it's very difficult because in a way it's like choosing between people and for me <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's very complex uh, but I you know the story of the ring is is mm-hmm. uh, fascinating um, but I, 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 I like as I said before um because I'm so much into history and understanding, understanding the underlying principles. You know, what is this real the story really about beyond you know Titanic and the myth and the legend and so on? Uh, so I think documents, those letters, uh, the diary, um, the uh, there's a postcard from a third class passenger, Carl Robert Carlson. Um, you know, it, it, they, these artifacts really help you, one, understand who was that person, uh, which is extremely important. And of course, they give you the context into understanding the story of Titanic in a general way. Uh, and then, it, you know, it's like everything is easier to understand in the story of Titanic as in the large picture when you, when you have access to uh, documents and to these artifacts and letters. Um, so I would, you know, if I had to choose, I would go to any of the letters probably. I, I'm partial to teacups and letters I, because apparently I'm a Victorian woman, but that, I, I don't know why. I think for me, there's something because everyone, you know, today it's coffee for most people, but you know, everyone would drink their tea or coffee in the morning. So these personal tea and coffee mugs to me are very interesting. And as you said, letters are extremely personal um, Absolutely. because they're also, there's a lot of implied context in a letter. You know, if I write a letter to my brother, I don't need to contextualize my mother whose name is and was born in. I just have to say, mom says, you know, there's yeah. a lot of, Im, you know, implicit understanding in a letter. And I, and also there's a lot of weird specificity, like as you mentioned, things like the coal strikes that help to put things into context for not only who the person was, but what was happening at the time. Because as you mentioned, our society has changed a lot since then. There's a lot of similarities, but there are a lot of visible behavioral differences that you only really note when you look at, you know, letters and photos and things. Uh, absolutely. And and for me, it's, uh, you know, to see the whole puzzle come together. Because of course, in the as you were saying, in the, in the letters, we have a lot of information about the context of that person. But then it, it, it also makes sense with all the other things. We were talking about third-class passengers. Uh, we have a few of these tickets. And in, in, and, and in some cases, we, we, we know uh, we don't have the ticket, but we know also, uh, in the case of the diary, we don't have the, the, the tickets person. Uh, but we know uh, that there were so many that because of the um, cold strike, where you know, they passed from Adriatic to Titanic. And then you actually, you, so, you know, you see an actual real original ticket where you can see that Adriatic was, you know, um, 
you see a line that was crossed on on the name, and then you see Titanic, and then you hear, um, you know, you, you don't hear, you can you can read actually William Murdoch mentioning this cold strike, uh, and then you you see an artifact of somebody who you the auditor is telling you the story of this person, and he also bought a ticket from for a different ship, but because of this event was transferred to Titanic. So you know, suddenly you see like the dots are connecting. And it's fantastic when you have that that sense that, you know, oh, actually it, it begins to make sense as a whole uh, as a whole story. Um, so that's why also I love uh, documents and, and letters. I don't remember who told me because that would be relevant information for this moment, but I think someone mentioned to me that they were able to parse together some menus because all the menus were lost, but they were able to piece together some menus based on um, passenger letters home who talked about the food. We actually, uh, well, I, you know, we should check, but we do, for instance, display an original third class uh, menu from April 14th. Um, you know, so, so uh, there, there some were, some were preserved, some were preserved. I meant more like yes. most of people didn't grab handfuls of menus and run onto the like Absolutely. absolutely <laughs> I meant more absolutely. like as, as a grand scheme and also they didn't keep records like we do now. There wasn't like, oh, oh, we'll just reprint the Titanic menu book. They didn't, they didn't have that. So yes, there were some, Correct. I didn't mean to apply there weren't any that served. I do it. I, bad wording. My, my bad. Sorry. No, 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 not at all. Actually, I, it, it, I mean, for us, it took us 20 years to display this particular menu. Uh, it, it was, uh, to, yes, it was, the, well, December 2021 in London when we were able finally to uh, to get this uh, menu uh, on, on, you know, into the exhibit. Um, and I think it's a very rare piece. I don't think there are many systems in the world. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, again, it's about, documents of course um you know they they help you get the the large picture and they actually help you connect so many different stories but i am you know i also understand and again it's probably because of me working in this for so for so long i understand that the first impact when you go into an exhibition and you have not been to you know i'm telling museum before and you suddenly see a pair of shoes or a mac as you were saying or a, a ring or you know uh th- this kind of three-dimensional artifact uh, that Im- immediately you suddenly visualize that that person especially of course if you're being told the story um and you can see the picture of that um individual so um i i do realize the you know the the strong power immediate power of those artifacts uh, versus those like letters and documents that require a little bit more, you know, they're not visually that appealing if you want or powerful. Uh, and they, they require a little bit more of work on the visitor's, uh, side to really, you know, take, uh, take the most of their story. For the people that do take the time to read, you know, the letters and the postcards and stuff, there's, there's a lot of little fun, fun pieces of anecdotal information that you can pick up that help really round out that picture of what life was like back then. Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, um, in a way, Titanic, of course, is this uh, huge, as you were saying, puzzle. Uh, and um, you, we, we like to, to think that in a way, the, the exhibit is a humble contribution to um, you know, to this goal of uh, of better understanding one the human tragedy, the human dimension, and these personal stories, and two, of course, the you know Titanic as a metaphor, as a symbol, as a myth, and how in this particular case, and this is also something the exhibition does, uh, you know, to to deconstruct a little bit the myth and and to understand. Uh, that in the very end, it's a human tragedy, and it's mm-hmm. a human tragedy of uh, it's a story of failure, after failure, and uh, legal failure, and, and and then of course how British society and the world entirely was able to turn this story of failure into the story of you know the myth and the legend and uh, and, and and the musicians playing in 
uh, until the last moment and uh, the captain be British and all these kind of things that, you know, it, it, and I think anthropologically speaking, it's absolutely fascinating to understand how the British were able to turn around this, uh, this story. I don't know if consciously or unconsciously, but, um, you know, fascinating from, from many point of view. Kind of reminds me a bit of the like lifeboat paradox where not a single man um, got into a lifeboat. They all jumped into the water and swam to a lifeboat and were pulled from the water because it was too, you could not admit that you just boarded yeah. a lifeboat, even though officer Murdoch was letting men board. So it wasn't like you, you didn't elbow a woman out of the way for your spot. You, you boarded because Correct. you were allowed on and, but there was simply no way you could say that. Exactly. That was, that is exactly uh, the, the, the point, you know, when you, and this is also something that it's easier to understand through documents that maybe uh, through uh, through three-dimensional artifacts, in order to understand the story of Titanic and how the legend is built and how the myth is created and how it's used for one or the other uh, goal, you do have to understand the world in 1912. Yes, you know, uh, and 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 not only you know politically speaking, but socially speaking, and and the you know the the the, the general ethic, morale uh, mm -hmm. from from these societies. Uh, so it is exactly what you were saying. I mean, you, um, of course, we all know um, there is a book by a relative, I believe, that the, I don't remember the name uh, about Ismay. Um, uh, understanding J. Bruce Ismay by Cliff Ismay. Exactly. Uh, so, so, you know, it is about that. It's about understanding that... Um, you know, you, you have to go beyond just the moment of Titanic to really understand the behaviors and, of course, what happened afterwards and how society, you know, uh, basically was trying to uh, to create a story of uh, of a moral lesson of what happened aboard mm -hmm. Titanic and of certain behaviors. Context is important in, in any historical event because, you know, as we all know... I the winning side, even though there wasn't a winning side in the case of Titanic, but in this case, like the dominant side that they tell the narrative. And as you said, of all the stoicism and this and that, and it's not to say that we should have told a story of, you know, mass panic and cowards and everything. I don't think that that should have been the story, but it's important to acknowledge all aspects on all sides. And that unfortunately um, there was a class aspect that affected survival. There was a race aspect that affected survival. And we, I think we're more open to talking about it now, but <clears throat> excuse me, especially at the time, there was just no way to discuss that. It, it simply would not be, ha be, be done. You just couldn't. Correct. And, uh, and as you were saying, maybe it's also because Titanic is never ending and, you know, we, um, there's always things that come up. Uh, I see that in the last years, most of the new research, it's, it's been, you know, conducted into into that aspect, and to bring those uh, stories, um, you know, and it's becoming very um, very interesting. And I am sure, in our particular case, um, and and I I think quite soon, all of this new research or new, you know, different points of um, looking into into this story again from a different angle are going to be placed into exhibitions and, and museums and, um, and and you know that and that's a little bit like we say in the exhibit it's uh, it's fascinating of course because Titanic had to sink to really become unsinkable and there's always new angles and new stories that are coming up so true. And to anyone who is able to make it to New York, I really, really highly encourage them to go to the exhibition because my plan is to go if I can um, as soon as I'm able to. But Luis, thank you so much for your time and coming on my show to talk about it. I, I really do hope that as many people as possible are able to come see the exhibition because I think it's it's really important that people be able to see these things in person, I think. Alexia, thank you so very much. It was an absolute pleasure to speak to you, to have this conversation. Um, uh, it's very comfortable and very special also because usually um, we don't get people who are so interested and so much <laughs> caring about the story of Titanic. So, you know, uh, it's really nice. And 
we are available for whatever you, you need. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. If any of my listeners are in New York or ooh, what was that? I don't know. Uh, around the surrounding area, I highly encourage you guys to go check out the Musealia's Titanic the Exhibition, which is currently in New York City. Um, that is Luis and his team's handiwork. I I personally plan on going to see it. And if you're not able to come to New York, hopefully it'll be in a city near you. And in the meantime, if you've been, get in touch and let me know how it was. Uh, what was your favorite part? Um, send me an email, get in touch on social media, let me know your thoughts, and I'll see you next time. Bye! Titanic Talkline was created and produced by me, Alexia. Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word, Titanic Talkline, T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at titanictalkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's titanictalkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!